Welcome to the Family Matters Podcast, where we answer the tough questions about divorce and separation, empowering you to make better decisions for yourself and your family. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Family Matters Show podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Bryant from Bryant McKinnon Lawyers, and today we are recording our final show for 2020. As usual, I'm joined by my business partner and family law specialist, Heather McKinnon. I don't know about you, Heather, but I'm pretty relieved to see the end of this very strange year. Yeah, what a challenging year, Ben. We certainly didn't think this time last year we'd have bushfires, COVID and everything else that comes with it. I certainly second that. Before I get into today's topic, I'd just like to remind listeners that we welcome all feedback and questions in confidence. We try very hard to make sure we cover any questions that come in on the following show, so you and the whole community get the benefit of our thoughts on your concerns. If you do have questions, you can email us in confidence at familymatters at bryantmckinnon.com.au or message us on Facebook. Also, please do feel free to share the show with friends and family who might be just starting on their journey of separation. The earlier we can be there to provide answers, the better. Now back to today's show. To end this year, we are going to tackle a somewhat sensitive subject, the gender differences, real and imagined, between how men and women experience divorce and separation. For this episode, we're going to focus on the experience of men. Before going any further, I want to emphasise that we recognise that everyone experiences life and trauma differently. So while we will try and tackle this topic as best we can, we are likely to speak in generalities. Sometimes this may feel oversimplified or inconsistent with your personal experience. For that, we apologise in advance. If you feel strongly about anything you hear on today's show, we welcome your comments and feedback. That said, I'm delighted to welcome our special guest who will be helping us to discuss men and divorce. Jean Clayton is the CEO of Bridging the Gap Community Services, which runs the Men's Resource Centre here in Coffs Harbour. The Men's Resource Centre has been running since 2005 and has helped over 8,000 local men and families. They provide individualised support, including counselling, self-help programs, financial and legal guidance, food and emergency accommodation. As CEO, Jean has helped so many men recover from traumas, including the trauma of divorce and separation. Thank you, Jean, for being a voice for these men on our little podcast program. Thank you, Ben. You will be fantastic, Jean. And Heather, of course, will also be here to help answer questions about the legal system and its implications for men. So let's get started. So, Jean, to kick us off, could you give us a bit of a background about your work at the Men's Resource Centre? My work at the Men's Resource Centre started when I left uni back in 2005. I was working for the Department of Community Services, working with volunteers to help families in need a couple hours a week. And as I went round to them families, I noticed that the gentlemen were feeling that they were separate from the situation Mm. and they was asking me how do I get involved to build my relationship back and there was one particular day where a gentleman said to me that if he hadn't spoke to someone he was thinking of suiciding that day Mm. so hence why I left my pay job and decided to open up in the community to help prevent suicide in men Mm. with which is mostly attached to separation or divorce. And since 2005, Jean, 
What's happening with the Men's Resource Centre? Has it increased in size? Is it just you on your own? What's happening? No, no, no. We have grown in size. Uh, We're still unfunded, unpaid, but we have a wonderful educated team. Some have retired and bring in their expertise Mm -hmm. to the service. We have been given a beautiful home to work out of. We've made it into our office and it's just amazing. It lifts the profile of men when they walk through the door. Mm. It gives them a belonging. That's incredibly inspirational, Jean. And going back to your experience with that gentleman that started your journey, of course, there's a lot of stresses in everyone's lives and and in men's lives. And one of those biggest stresses would be the time of separation, arguably one of the most stressful times of someone's life. From your experience, what are some of the common features of how men experience stress? It's really all over the shop because everyone sees stress and manages stress so differently. And it's not really about men and women because we've known women to go through a lot of stress as well. One of the differences, I think it's fair to say, between men and women is that women are more open to support. They more have a little support network already in place. Yeah. Um, whereas men don't tend to. It's very difficult sometimes for men to share their stories or their experiences, even with other men or with other people. Yes. Heather, how does stress contribute to navigating the legal side of the divorce process? When I have an initial consultation with a bloke, often it's the first time they may have cried in front of another human as an adult. Um, they're very isolated and often the shock of the divorce puts them into a state where they can't think clearly. So what we know from studies is that well over half of the initiators of separation are women. So often the men are blindsided. They just had no idea it was going to happen. And as you and Jean were talking about, they don't have that history of knowing where to go and get help or who to open up to. So often, as is the way with men in Australia since settlement, they turn to grog. I think alcohol abuse with blokes is much more pronounced than women. Women will use things like you know, tranquilizer drugs, but men will hit the grog and that really impacts on their ability to make decisions. So when you and I see a man for the first time, if we pick up that he's got that sort of isolation, then giving them permission to seek help through their GP or another mental health provider is really critical because, as Jean said, the biggest trigger for suicide in adult men will be the breakdown of a relationship. So often they're very vulnerable in those first few months and it's critical that they get a safe ear but that we get them out of that trauma decision-making down to a more logical way, have a look at what do they have to do financially, how do they get housing, how do they start seeing their kids so you calm it down and give them some sort of positive future rather than everything crowding in on them and feeling like it's hopeless. And do you agree with that, Jean? I think that was outstanding. I agree 100%. I'm very surprised. And what's the referrals that you have at your centre in terms of the counselling and the self-help? Do you do that in-house or do you have counsellors, you know, that you refer to? We are a one-stop shop for gentlemen and their families. Mm -hmm. We've found in the past or in my professional past that you could send a gentleman out to go and see someone and they would get lost in between. Okay. So I decided to open up a shop where 
where literally they only have to walk from one room to another. So mm-hmm. it's all in one spot. Yep. So they don't get lost. There is a suggestion that men experience more health problems during and after divorce than women. This could be driven by anything from poor eating habits to self-medication with alcohol or drugs. Jean, is that a fair suggestion? Do you find that the lack of self-care plays a part in outcomes for men that you work with? Definitely. I think they just lose hope. They need balance. Everyone needs a balance mm-hmm. to life and, you know, a partner to work with. So, yeah, they don't look after their selves and they, they'll go down because they feel unworthy. Mm-hmm. And that notion of unworthy is a great segue, I guess, into mm. my next question. There's no doubt that marriage is a key part of one's identity and separation can mean a loss of identity in much the same way that losing a job might affect one's sense of self. Heather, you deal with both male and female clients. Do you find that this loss of self-identity is the same regardless of gender? Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the biggest issues at time of separation. So if you've defined yourself, you know, many people I see have been in a relationship for 20, 30, 40 years. It's like pulling a rug out from under people and they have to navigate a really stormy sea to get to the other side. I think the difference with women is that they often identify primarily as a mother before they identify as a partner to a marriage. So often what keeps them going is that they've got to make decisions for children, whereas at the time of separation, many men feel like they've been cast out of the house and that they've lost their role as parent as well as father. So one of the important things is to realise that Under our family law system, all children are entitled to have a proper relationship with both mum and dad and to get men to understand that it's not a gendered system. We keep having this myth in the community that for some reason, you know, mums are up on a pedestal and dad has no role. Well, that's as far from the truth as you can get. But certainly to navigate how to connect with kids takes uh, attention to detail and at the time that you lose a sense of where your place is, it's Mm. often hard to navigate that and that's where things go wrong. So you'll see large gaps where uh, at separation men just don't see their kids for months at a time Mm. and it's really important that we all understand that we need to keep telling the politicians to resource this area properly so that men don't have that gap because that gap is when the risks are for really tragic circumstances. Mm -hmm. And Jean, how do you assist men who've lost their sense of self? How do you get their identity back? Well, we have a number of programs that we do a lot of one-on-one. The good part about our service is we have a backyard where the gentleman can sit gentlemen get to talk about their circumstances as us women do when we go and have our coffee but we also give them a safe place to be themselves out there and gather from the other gentlemen that have gone through the same thing and they can say oh mate you're just on a bent just keep it going just be calm just be cool just do what the girls say (laughs) in a sense you know like sometimes people need direction Mm -hmm. And sometimes they haven't been raised in with good direction. Children are born into a situation 
that they have no direction. Mm -hmm. And these are the gentlemen that are growing up Mm -hmm. now that think that this way is the right way or that way is the right way. They haven't got a mentor in a sense. Mm -hmm. And James, we've heard from Heather in that sense of loss of identity and being disconnected from children. How do you help men reconnect with their children? Is that more that one-on-one session that you're talking about with the conversation? we run a program known as Triple P. Mm -hmm. It's a positive parenting program. And the successfulness is... We see the gentleman next year Mm -hmm. and the year after and the year after because some court cases can take up to seven years. (laughs) You don't have to tell us, James. Just to clarify for our listeners, there's different parenting programs out there. Um, some where it's for the primary care of children, yeah. and some it's just open whether you have the children or not. The course that you run, the Triple P program, is whether you have the children or not. The Triple P program was originally available just for the custodial parents. Mm-hmm. So it was a closed program yep. until we got access and asked permission for us to beef up the program to help the non-custodial parents, whether that be male or female. Mm-hmm. There is an old saying when it comes to grief and loss, women mourn and men replace. We had a good look for some statistics to test this theory and the ABS does show that men are more likely to remarry and remarry more quickly than women. Heather, I know you quite often end up handling second and third divorces. How might you caution anyone repartnering after a divorce or separation? It's important to look at history, isn't it, whenever we're looking to move forward and certainly The advice that I give most blokes that I see is be very careful that you have a gap and you start to understand why your last relationship failed. And I tell them, look, I can tell you if you don't do that work, you'll be back here. And Mm -hmm. invariably five or six years later, they come back with their tail between their legs saying it happened again. What social scientists know is that If you don't understand the reason that a relationship failed, you're likely to just repeat that pattern until there's some change. So it's very hard to get somebody to stop, think and have a gap. And as you've said, Ben, the ABS statistics speak for themselves. Men are much likely to remarry within a year or two of the breakdown of a long relationship. Same happens in situations where men are widowed. They uh, will often remarry within a year of losing a spouse. What the psychiatrists and psychologists train us is that that's because rather than dealing with the grief, they postpone the grief by concentrating on moving forward in the Mm -hmm. new relationship. The honeymoon period ends and the same patterns reoccur that happened in the earlier relationship. So for me, after 40 years in practice, what I'd advise everybody to do is if a relationship fails, get yourself into therapy, get to do the hard work to understand what it was, as Jean said, about your family of origin that set up this pattern for failed relationships. What model did you get from your family about how to parent and how to live in relationships? If your childhood was flawed, if you did experience trauma, if you did have a pattern of parenting that's dysfunctional, Mm you need to get to understand what that meant you brought to the table in your adult relationships. There is no magic answer. You have to do the hard work. And as we've said, what many men do is mask that with substance abuse, with drinking, with drugs, with high-risk behaviour. Or new relationships, the adrenaline stops them dealing with the grief. 
It's a message that's time immemorial. When you enter through a dark period, you have to understand how to come out stronger and programs that are offered by Jean's organisation, such as Triple P, are exactly for that purpose. This is how you were disciplined by your parents, but have a look at what that made you feel. Now look at a different way. How might you discipline different to the way your dad did with the belt or withdrawing affection? Triple P gives really practical skills on best practice parenting. How can you change for this generation the way things are done so we don't have constant resurfacing of the same old patterns? Mm -hmm. That's some sage advice, Heather. Um, and Jean, what about you? What about the men that you see? Are they people that have been through the ringer before or is there a lot of first-timers or what do you think? We get both and I agree with Heather. There's a lot of work that everyone has to do. We look at the source and the way we deliver our findings actually get heard. Mm. So I don't know why we're different to others, but we kind of get away with telling them, this is definitely wrong, mate. You can't do that. We can obviously see that this is a pattern. You mm. need to be the one that break it. I think the key word is insight. Um, because definitely. you can do a lot of programs, you can get a lot of certificates, a lot of completion awards and all sorts of things. But if you don't have insight, yes. and that's really what Heather was going to, didn't mean, so exactly I think what right. you're saying is your centre has the tools to help really reach out a hand and help men understand what's going on in the context and what it all means. We do get um, some narcissists come through the door. That's why we, we do a direct line. We don't pussyfoot around. The Family Law Act never mentions mum, dad, male or female. That is, the legislation is not gendered at all. But I'm guessing some of the men at your centre don't see it that way and they think that the family law system is not fair to men at all. What is your experience on this? Um, is the family law system gendered? Um, and if it is, where, where does it come from? Well, it's kind of like a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> on the grounds I might be incriminated. <laughs> I have seen... A lot of trickiness going on. I don't see sometimes it's fair. Not mm -hmm. at all. Not at all. I have seen outcomes that I've looked at and thought... Shocking. Yeah. It's breathtaking sometimes. And what's the hardest part about that is telling the gentleman, don't worry, we'll go back. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes these men are telling the truth. And it needs to be a mirror, mirror. If you're expecting the gentleman to do A, B and C, well, why shouldn't the woman? Mm -hmm. If you're expecting the woman to do A, B and C, why shouldn't the man? That's right. And I think that's a common experience for all litigants, I guess, yeah. in the system is that it can be very inconsistent and unpredictable because it's discretionary. That's Whereas right. Whereas with crime, you know, you have you yes. know, guideline judgments, you have maximum minimum penalties. That's and things, right. And that doesn't exist in family law. Heather. What is your experience of gender in the system? So when decisions are being made about children, we're not looking at, um, you know, what a mum or a dad brings to the table. What we're looking at is what's best for children. And it is important to understand that the Institute of Family Studies has just completed a longitudinal study on the impact of shared care, which in this community we'd know as week on, week off. It has proved disastrous for small children, infants and up to primary school age. Overwhelmingly, kids need security. They need to be in the one place and have a sense of home. So that's different to what 
the system was looking at over the last 20 or 30 years. So what that means is that we have to look carefully at where homes provided. Is it provided by mum or dad? And as Jean said, most of the cases that we're dealing with are ones where there is a level of dysfunction. So families that are high functioning don't need access to our services. The cases that we see have as many dysfunctional mums as dysfunctional dads. Sage advice from one of my main mentors is that zebras breed with zebras. Mm. It's likely that in every case where there's family violence, substance abuse, mental illness, that that's there with both parents. And that's what Jean's saying, that often we concentrate on one side of the equation more than the other. So in my role as an independent children's lawyer, where I'm sitting in the middle of the parents, I'm very careful to look at mutual obligations for things like hair testing, investigating mental illness, family violence, because these families, it is a very, very complex dynamic. So for me, gender's not one of the top three items, if you like. I'm looking at parental capacity. How damaged is mum? How damaged is dad? And what does that mean we have to look Mm. at in terms of changing the outcomes for the kids? That's right, the impact on the children. Can I just say, in respect to what Heather was just saying, with Triple P, there has also been research done with children and we see a lot of children as resilient. I haven't seen the findings that was written, so Mm I can't comment on But we see a different point of view. We see we have two birthdays. Mm -hmm. We see we have two Christmases. We see instead of having one big family holiday, we see two family holidays. We've had conversations with counsellors from the schools. We want to know how the children are going in the schools. They're perfect. So, yes, I can agree with some, but that wouldn't be on a whole. Mm -hmm. No way. Because the evidence from Triple P says that a lot of the children in the most messiest situations are very resilient. And I think it's fair to say that there's common research, well-known research, that children are absolutely resilient. Definitely. Um, They can handle new homes, new Mm. schools, two birthdays, two Christmases, Mm. like you said, but what they can't handle is conflict. Mm. Conflict has an absolute detrimental impact on children. If it's not immediately apparent to the school counsellor or the school at that time, it might be later in their adolescence or something like that. And that is true regardless of whether it's 50-50, alternate weekends or whatever the case may be. So agreed point. Jean, just before you go, I just want to ask you, what are some of the common pitfalls or traps that your clients fall into that you, you find yourself, you know, advising on? What, what are some of the things that you can help our listeners with? Do your research. Mm-hmm. Don't take what some say as Lord, because it might not be. Work on yourselves. Look inside yourself. Understand the situation wherever you go, you're there. Stop pitting against each other. Become amicable. Try and see someone else's point of view in this situation. There's a lot of things that we teach the gentlemen that come to us to look outside themselves and not stay within. You know, it's all about them and poor them because it's about the children, like Heather said. It's all about the children and be the person that you're created to be, which is have integrity and love. Wow, amazing. Mm. All right, well, thank you so much, Jean. That was amazing to talk to you today. Thank you. And, of course, thank you, Heather. 
How did you feel we went with this topic? Should we expect angry emails or do you think we got the balance about right? (laughs) There's always people that are feeling wounded and hurt, but most parents that I've acted for over the years absolutely want the best for their kids and they want to improve the outcomes for their children better than the generation before and that's what good parenting is. Mm. And all we can do is help them to make that sort of step. Mm, Well said. And what a show to end the year on. Of course, we will be back again in 2021. Our first show for the new year is going to be a ripper. We've got local girl, May Good, Judy Small joining us. Originally from Coffs Harbour, Judy became a successful singer-songwriter in the 70s before becoming a family lawyer. She was appointed a judge with the Federal Circuit Court of Australia in 2013 and only retired in April 2020. There's so much to talk to Judy about, growing up in Coffs Harbour, her perspective as a former family lawyer and judge, and maybe we can even get her to sing us a song. It's exciting. A final reminder that you can send any questions or feedback to familymatters at bryantmckinnon.com.au or message us on Facebook. If you go to our website and find episode 19, you can access a full transcript of today's show and links to the Men's Resource Centre. And of course, please help us to get a word out there and help as many people as possible in the community by sharing this show with friends and family who are going through separation. So that's a wrap for 2020. We wish all our listeners and their families a very happy Christmas and, of course, a new year with a little less drama than this one. Stay safe and well. Goodbye for now. The information provided on this podcast is general in nature and not a substitute for personal legal advice. We recommend you consult an accredited family law specialist.